All right, well, welcome tonight, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we're here doing our, our new Bible study for Wednesday nights. This is We haven't done a Bible study Wednesday night Wednesday nights for a little while, and also with COVID going on and whatnot. So we will be doing uh, Bible study here at 7 o'clock every Wednesday. We're going to be doing starting off with the new you and the Holy Spirit. I'll explain more about that in just a moment by Andrew Womack. Um, uh, let me just bring you up to speed on a couple things. We do have our Sunday morning service. Uh, we live stream at 11.15. That's when the teaching comes on. And then uh, we, uh, otherwise here we have worship at 10.30. And then uh, we uh, uh, have our Bible study on Sunday night on uh, Don't Limit God right now. We're actually finishing that up. That's on Sunday nights at 6 o'clock. Same author of both books. Okay, now we're going to probably finish this one up this Sunday. And then we're going to be starting the following Sunday a new one called The, the True Nature of God. So once we're done with this on Sunday nights, we're going to start this one. And we'll probably finish this one up uh, this Sunday, and we'll start this one however long that takes us. And then, uh, so, so it will be that on Sunday night we'll do this book, True Nature of God, and on Wednesday nights, uh, The New Year and the Holy Spirit. Okay, enough advertisements about that. We do have a website, lighthousediscipleship.org. Uh, all of our teachings that we have here are archived on our website. So, for example... Uh, we're finishing up this book. You can actually go back and listen to all. Actually, it uh, will be in le lesson 18 this week. So actually, we have eight, 17 lessons on our website. Okay. Uh, and also, our Sunday morning services on there. There's other things on there. We have free Bible classes you can take online. Uh, you can worship with us. We have a playlist that we have on there every week. I try to update it every Sunday. And then also we have other stuff as well as a place to give and, and, and to partner with us in this ministry so we can do what we're doing. Uh, but uh, uh, at the same point in time, if you have a prayer request, feel free to uh, reach out to us. If you are watching it on Facebook, feel free to interact. Uh, say hello, where you're from. Uh, if you have any questions, go ahead. If you have any prayer requests, you can mention below. If you feel like they're too private, feel free just to reach out to us through Messenger or on our website. We have a contact, we have a prayer page. You, you can uh, do your prayer requests more private that way. We don't, we're not here to embarrass you. We're here to help you. So um, anyway, so not a lot of different announcements here at the beginning. And we'll uh, repeat some of these in the weeks to come. Uh, but uh, anyway, just to bring you a little bit of speed. So how this usually works is uh, Sherry will narrate a section of the book. And then I will talk, we'll, we'll talk about it. And if we have anyone here in the uh, live audience, they're, they're able to also interject as well as far as some questions, comments, whatnot. We want to keep the topic to, we want to keep up on topic. If we want to talk about something else off topic, feel free again to message with us and we can have a private conversation that way. Uh, but we want to keep it as much as possible on topic. Unless it's really Holy Spirit led and we need to go a different direction, we're open to that too. But uh, that would that would need to be very... Uh, Valley received that, that the Holy Spirit leading us in a different direction. So hopefully that makes sense. Uh, you know, the new you and the Holy Spirit. Let me just say something about this book. And uh, some of you might not know Andrew Womack. He has a ministry based out of Colorado, uh, Woodland Park, which is right outside of Colorado Springs. And uh, Sherry and I went to his Bible college back in 2013, and we graduated. Uh, so we, we, that's how we, how we connected with him uh, from in a short story. Uh, and we have an awesome testimony behind all that as well. But anyway, uh, we're, we're, we're just here preaching the gospel. That's our, our heart. Our heart when our church, Lighthouse Discipleship, is to help people get established in their identity in Christ, equipped in God's Word, 
and be empowered to, to fulfill their destiny. Whatever that destiny is, whether that's being a pastor, teacher, missionary, or whether that's just being a stay-at-home mom, uh, whatever that might be. In COVID right now, everything has been kind of changed up with some people's vocations. But our, God, our job is to be you to be established in who you are in Christ, be equipped in God's word, and so you can do what God's called you to do, whatever that might be. I see us all as able ministers of the new covenant. That's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 3, verse 6. We're all able ministers. My job as a pastor is to equip you to be a minister. And a minister in its very simplest form is to serve one another. Now, there's different ways that we can serve one another. Uh, not just I'm not just talking about waiting tables or whatnot. That can, that can apply. Uh, but, uh, but we love one another. We edify one another. It says that God gave some to be pastors, apostles, etc. And I'm paraphrasing to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. My job is to equip you, not that I'm the only one that does that, but my job is to equip you to edify one another, to encourage one another. And we can do that in a lot of different ways. And we can do that without a church building. We can do even do that without Facebook. We can do that in so many different ways. I mean, back in the day, people got, they got on the telephone, they got in their car, they wrote someone a letter, uh, there's, and we, it, you know, COVID or no COVID, we, uh, nothing is restraining us from loving one another and edifying one another. And, uh, and, and, and the focus is always going to be on Christ. Anyway, I'm getting off topic a little bit here. And it's all good stuff. But the new year and the Holy Spirit, if we were to have a new believers class in our church, this would be it. This would be very foundational. Uh, there's much to build on. But the foundation is very important. If you have a building per se, we have a house that we're sitting in. The foundation is very crucial. We can redirect it, we, we can renovate, we can change the roof, we can change the decor, we can change the windows and doors, we can change the walls, we can change the ceiling, we can change the, a lot of electrical and plumbing, uh, whatnot, but the foundation is crucial. And, uh, and, and so, and the foundation, you know, even in school, they have elementary teachings. The found, you need to learn how to basic read and write, do basic math before you can learn algebra, Shakespeare, and other, other uh, higher topics. If you don't learn the basics, you're never going to learn the other ones. And even if you never learn some of the other ones, you may still have a decency in life. But if you don't know the basics of, uh, of how to read and write, social skills, and how to get along, and different things that you learn from early childhood, you're not going to succeed in life. And uh, do you have something... Okay. Just like the, it's just like uh, not having a standstill, like it's something to stand on while you're teaching. It's yes. very important. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes, very important. So the foundation is important. The foundation for any family, the foundation for any business, the foundation for any relationship, the foundation in our relationship with Christ is very. So this this book is actually two books in one, really. To be honest with you, it's the first one is talking about the new you, who we are in Christ. And it's not an exhaustive study. We could actually take a lot of the verses and concepts and make a whole book of it in and of itself. But we're going to cover some very basic things, and, uh, and we'll probably build on some of those things as we go forward. And then the second part is uh, the Holy Spirit. We'll get we'll talk more about that when we get to it. We won't get there this week. <clears throat> but uh, at the same point in time, there's kind of two books in one. And, uh, and that the new you and the Holy Spirit. If we ever receive someone in, uh, in our church, receive Christ. Or receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we do teach here, and uh, we we do always give them this book, 
and that, and we like, we give this book away like crazy. Um, but at the same point in time, we have a lot of the concepts here on our website. We even have articles, blogs on our website talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and uh, and uh, the new you, uh, which has a lot to do with righteousness, some other things as well, where we talk about salvation uh, and some of the very basics. But we need to know who we are. And it's going to be hard for us to know who we are if we don't know who God is. Uh, we're, ch we're born again. We're children of God. We're born of God. Uh, there's a verse in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Behold what manner the love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. It goes on to say in verse 2, that at the end of verse 2, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to quote the whole verse right now, but it says, we will, we will be like him when we see him as he is. If we're going to be like God, and we're born of God, if we've received Christ, and we're going to talk about that, but we'll be like him when we see him as he is. We need to have a good representation of who God is, and that's what we're going to be start talking about on Sunday nights, or week after next, we'll be talking about the true nature of God in a little more detail with that. Um, anyway, I feel like I'm getting on some rabbit trails, but I, I want to come back to what I was saying. The foundation is very important. We're going to be talking about this. So we're not going to rush through this. Uh, we could actually read this probably in one setting because it's not really that big of a book. But at the same point in time, we're not rushing through this. I don't even know if we'll get through the first chapter today. Uh, but we're not in a race. We're also not just going to go slow but slow this thing. There's not going to be a Zoxa study on who we are in Christ. We could study every book of the Bible, especially the New Testament, about who we are in Christ. Uh, there's over 300 scriptures in the New Testament about who we are in Christ. So we're not gonna we're not gonna hit them all, but we we're, we're gonna lay a general foundation because any other topic we talk about, we can talk about parenting, we can talk about grandparenting, we can talk about finances, we can talk about relationships, we can talk about any we any other topic, but the foundation is essential, and uh, and so we so we're gonna begin to lay that foundation today. So I know a lot of introduction, whatnot. I won't be doing this every week with that type of introduction. Uh, but anyway, thank you for joining us. And uh, without further ado, I'm gonna. Uh, uh, we ordered some books, but they didn't come in, so we only have one book. So Sherry and I are gonna be uh, sharing, and we're married, so we sh we need to hopefully after 20 years of marriage, we've learned to share by now. Uh, but if not, uh, this will be a good uh, uh, refresher course. But uh, anyway, uh, Sherry will narrate for us a, a little section. And then we'll talk about it uh, some more, and then that's how we'll, we'll proceed. Okay? Okay. All right, do you want me to read that? Sure, go ahead. All right, Andrew has an introduction here that says, Choosing to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is the most important decision you'll ever make. This book will help you understand the choice you've made and discover what's next. Welcome to the family. When God's word first comes to you, Satan immediately tries to steal it, Matthew 13, 19. However, he can only do so if you don't have understanding. That's why you need to comprehend what takes place the moment you accept the Lord. Understanding prevents the devil from talking you out of your salvation benefits. God's word promises that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth 
Confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 9-10 For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 13 Have you done this? Have you confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus? Do you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead? Are you a whosoever who has called on the name of the Lord? If your answer is yes, then you've been saved. You were saved the very moment you sincerely committed your life to Jesus Christ. The word of his truth instantly came to pass as you believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth. Congratulations, you've been saved. Let's just stop there for a moment. Trey, can you hand me that seed and that, uh, that plant real quick? So I just want to illustrate something real quick. You know, I started before Sherry read talking about foundation. And anything, everything starts with a seed. Mm -hmm. You know, even after we were born, it was uh, the, the seed was uh, conceived in our your mother's womb and it was uh, fertilized. And I'm not going to go through the whole uh, ABCs of uh, uh, childbirthing and conception. But everything came from a seed. This is a fake plant, but if it was a real sunflower, it started from a seed. And in and, and everything, there's a seed. And God gave us, in Genesis 1 11, He told everything to reproduce after its own kind. I'm not going to go through Genesis and all that stuff. But again, the foundation. The Bible says that we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the Word of God. He says that in 1 Peter 1 23. Why did I start there? And you know, because everything starts with a seed. The seed is foundation. Everything we, everything this sunflower needs, the the the, the stem, the leaves, the flower itself, the seeds that are inside. Everything it needs is inside that seed. It's the foundation. Everything we need, everything we need is in Christ Jesus. But we need to be born again. We need. The, 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 you know, when God made Adam and Eve, when God made man, when God made the heavens and the earth and he made man, he said it was good. He even said man was very good. Man was not, there was not sin. There was not corruption. There was not even sickness because sickness is part of the curse. There was no, there was none of that. None of that existed. But I'm not going to go through all of it, but man did sin. And because man did sin, man became separated from the life of God. And the consequence of that sin was death. And there's so much, so many aspects I can go on this, but the penalty for that sin was death. And the Bible says in Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So what? So unless there, a death paid for that sin, we are all doomed to go to hell. But that's why Jesus came. Jesus was born of a virgin. Why is that so? You know, people have asked me when we get to the Christmas story, why, what's so big deal about the virgin? Why the virgin birth? Because the male carries the seed, not the female. Jesus was not born of Adam. Jesus, if you will say, was, was the last Adam or the second Adam. He was a new proto prototype altogether, if you will. He was not born in the sin. Not only did he not commit a sin, but he was not born of sin. And because of that, he could be our savior. He could be our propitiation. He could be our substitute. So not only he not only was he born of not born of sin, he did not commit sin. 
either. And it was important. See, when 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 Gabriel the angel came to Mary and told her that she was going to be conceived with Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would overshadow her, and that she would be uh, that Jesus would be conceived in her womb. I love that whole story, that whole conversation between Gabriel and Mary. And we're getting pretty close, close to Christmas. And that's right around the corner when we'll be sharing that story more closely. But uh, now Mary has some obvious questions. How will shall this be since I've never known a man? She understood the basics of, of how that happens. She hasn't known Joseph. She had not known a man. How was this baby Jesus going to be about? And the Holy Spirit began to explain to her about the, how the Holy Spirit would overshadow her. Shadow her. And she said that, she said, and then she said something very profound. She said, let it be according to your word. I believe in that instance, when she said those words, let it be unto me according to your word. That in that moment, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit in her womb. She said, let it be unto me according to your word. Throughout the book of Acts, you'll see, and that's a New Testament book, you'll see that the gospel was preached, they believed it, and were saved. The gospel was preached, they believed it, and were saved. I believe in the very simplest form. When we hear the gospel, the good news, and I'll talk about that in just a moment, but the gospel, the seed, and we hear it, and we, what she just read from Andrew's reading from Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If we confess, if we believe in heart, confess with our mouth. Can you read it again for me? Sorry. But if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. A confession, like for example, we had a court case and uh, someone was on the witness stand, they would share their confession, their witness of what took place. They can't add to the story. They can't take away from the story. They can't say any heresy. Uh, but, uh, they have to They have to share their confession. Uh, or, or just put it this way. Let's just say there was a criminal and, and before the, 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 the detectives or even on the witness stands, they confess to what they did or did not do. Uh, you know, a confession. <clears throat> the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And actually, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I'm going to go bring this back to Mary real quick. Mary, I, she said, let it be unto me according to your word. When we hear the gospel, what's the gospel? In the simplest form. See, the whole, all scripture is God-breathed, but not all scripture is necessarily the gospel. And I'll explain that a little bit more later. The gospel in its simplest form it is about the birth, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which can also include the ascension. But in the simple, simplest form, it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That he died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4 that he was raised for our justification. He was raised for our righteousness. My favorite verse is 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, He who knew no sin became sin 
that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We'll be talking more about righteousness as we go forward. But in the simplest form, the gospel is that Jesus became our propitiation. What does propitiation mean? That's a fancy word. But it means that he was our substitute. A lamb, it was illustrated in the Old Testament, but it was just an illustration of what Jesus was. The first Passover took place in, the, the, in, in Egypt when they were in bondage in Exodus chapter 12. And in, in order for them to escape Egypt and escape the bondage they were in, they said that they had to kill a lamb, put its blood on the doorpost, and consume, eat the, sac the entire sacrifice. Israel did not escape Egypt because they were good. They escaped Egypt because of the lamb. Jesus said, I mean, God said, when I see the blood, the death angel will pass over. Jesus, and, other, and, and all that was an illustration of Jesus. This is all taught in Hebrews chapter 4, that the gospel was preached to them as well as to us. Where was the gospel preached? Through the lamb, through the Passover lamb. That's where the gospel was preached. Jesus became the real lamb. Jesus became the worthy lamb. He was crucified. He was slaughtered. and He was buried. And he rose again. And because he rose again, that's proof that Jesus, God, accepted the sacrifice. Because the death angel passed over. I'm giving a real short version of so much I could elaborate on. But Jesus became our substitute. He died for us because the penalty of sin was death. Jesus became our substitute. If you had a debt, let's just say it was a million dollars, and you had to go to jail until someone paid that debt, if I, if I pay the debt for you so you can go home and, and be free, then you are free. Let's just say I take your place, or I pay the debt for you. I, I'm the substitute. If, I, if you had a mortgage, as I say, you owed $300,000 still on the home. But I pay the mortgage for you. You don't need to keep making payments to the bank. The, the mortgage is paid. You're free. I'm giving a lot of different illustrations. I hope I'm not bringing confusion. But Jesus became our Savior. He became a, our substitute. He died for us so we don't have to die. And if we, we if that's good news. That's what the gospel means, good news. There's so many scriptures I can bring out. Yes, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's no good news about that. That's true. But the good news is Jesus died for us so that he, and he only died for you. He paid your penalty. So you don't have to pay the penalty. And he says in Galatians 3.13 that he has redeemed us from the curse. There's no more curse, and we'll expound more on that as we go forward in this, in this study. But if we hear this good news, and we believe that not only did Jesus die for us, but he rose again for us, and we believe that, and we believe it with our heart, and we confess it, and we say, Jesus, I receive your sacrifice. I receive what you did for me. I receive that. We might not use all those words. We might not even know how. We might not be educated enough to say everything. But we know enough that, we're, Lord, thank you for paying such an enormous debt that we, I could never pay. 
Because the sin that you and I owed, we could never pay. We could never be good enough. We could never be righteous enough on our own. We could never be holy enough. There's only one thing that could ever make you holy, and that's the blood of Jesus. And you know, Pastor, this is why I truly believe, I truly believe, and when I do believe, miracle happens. I have to really calm myself down, calm, completely calmness, and believe in the Lord. And I say, Lord, I surrender myself to you. And I truly believe in you. Save me now, save me now. Hide me under the shadow of your wings when I'm all wounded, which is a lot higher than I am now, Lord. Miracle happens. You know, and, uh, and, and what I'm trying to, I'm saying a lot of different things, and I want to expound on this as we go forward, and we're going to get back into the book. So. But just as Mary said, heard the message from Gabriel and said, let it be unto me according to your word. When we hear the gospel, and we receive, as Sherry just read from Romans chapter 10, verse 9, 10, we believe in our heart, and we confess from our mouth, that Jesus is our Lord. We are saved. It's the same connotation. I believe that the moment that we believe that, we are, in a sense, doing the exact same thing that Mary did when she said, let it be unto me according to your word, according to your gospel. And at that moment, we are saved. In the same way, I believe, Mary was conceived of Jesus in the flesh in her womb when she believed the word and whatnot. And very same connotation, you know. And uh, and it says that we are born again of, of incorruptible seed. What does that mean? Jesus is incorruptible seed. There's no sin in him. There's no sin in Jesus. There's sin in Adam. We're born again, not of corruptible seed, Adam. We're, we're not born of our the same nature. No disrespect to our, our natural father. But they're not our father anymore, spiritually speaking. Our Heavenly Father has not become our father. And there's no corruption in it. There's no sin in it. There's no sickness in it. We'll get to that later uh, in different things. But there's no corruption in it. Nothing's corrupted in it. Now, we'll get into this a little bit later too. Our spirit is born again. Our body is not. It's the same body if we were fat before we got born again we'll still be fat we're skinny before we're, if we didn't know math before we still don't know math and we'll talk about a little briefly spirit soul and body our soul is our mind our will and emotions our our spirit is, is and we we have another study and we're not going to go through all that right now called spirit soul and body we have another study on that and uh, i even have three animation videos on our website if you go to our core messages our core teachings i have three animations they're actually from andrew womack and they animate, they animate this in, on a video, this message. We've done this Bible study before, and we've done this many times. But real briefly, we have a spirit, we have a soul, and we have a body. We all pretty much know what we, our body is. And let me just rephrase that. Our true nature is our spirit. We, we, we possess a soul, but we live in a body. Okay. One day, one day we're born again, we will get a new body. And, uh, but it's our spirit that is born again. Our, our, our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, it, 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 it needs to be renewed. It's like a computer. Sometimes you have to, to reprogram a computer. Sometimes you've got to put a new engine in, in a car. 
how uh, whatnot, you gotta change some of the, the systems. This this mind needs to be renewed to the Word of God. This mind needs to be renewed to who we are. The starting point, the seed, the conception, is exactly what Sherry just read from Romans that we believe in our heart and confess. We're saved. That's the starting point. You can't renew something if you haven't even have a starting point. Uh, you can't, that word renew in the Greek means to renovate. If we were to renovate this house, we might change the, uh, we might knock out some walls. We might put some new windows in. We might change the painting. We might change the decor. We might even just totally do a total redo. Uh, but the foundation is going to be there. But we need to renew our mind. We need to renovate our mind. We're no longer associated with Adam in the spirit. We are associated with Jesus. We're born again. And see, if we, a, fruit, a tree, a fruit tree, pretend, I know this is a sunflower, but pretend this, pretend this was an apple tree. Or a banana tree, it's yellow. <laughs> the fruit is not the source. The seed is. The root is the source. The Bible talks about holiness. The Bible talks about righteousness. But it's called the fruit of holiness. It's called the fruit of righteousness. The fruit is not the source. The, the root is. And when we're born again, and we retrain our minds who we are, uh, there's so many scriptures that can bring out, and we'll bring them out to study in and, and some of them. But we want the life, the nature of God to come out in our, our behavior and the way we think, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we live. We want Jesus who is in us to live his life in us and through us. But first we, first we have to be born again. First there has to be that transformation like a caterpillar to a butterfly. There's that transformation there's, there's a metamorphosis that takes place in the spirit. But once we renew our mind, which is our soul, and I hope I'm not confusing you, to who we are in the spirit, our body and our actions and our behavior will begin to change. I'm just using these illustrations to illustrate what takes place. The Bible says in James that the word of God is a mirror. And I'm getting way ahead of myself in some things. But uh, we're going to be talking about a mirror. We're going to be talking about how the only way we can be in touch with our spirit is through the Word of God. We can't. We can. We can touch our body. We can. We. You. For example, you can hurt me. You can hurt my body. You can give me a nice massage, make me feel good. You can. You can make my body feel good and pampered. My soul, my emotions. You can say something that hurts my feelings. You can say something that makes my day. That makes me feel good. So we can, in a sense, touch our feelings. We can touch our soul to, to, in, a, in a psychological way. But our spirits, we can't touch that. It's born, if we're in Christ, it's born again. Nothing can touch that. We're going to expound on that in this teaching. But our spirit is what's born again. And, I, and the reason I shared this a little bit at the beginning because if we do what this verse says, and we're going to expound on it with some more verses, you might, how do you know that you're born again? How do you know that you're saved? You don't know. You, you can't see anything different. You might not even feel anything different, even though sometimes people do feel things. But you may not feel something. But how do you know? Because the Word of God says 
If you can believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you are saved. You are born again. And how do I know? The Word of God says I am. And the Word of God says we are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. What does that look like? What is that supposed to look like? The Word of God will teach us. The Word of God will water, I lost my seed, will water that seed. If you plant a seed, you need to water it. You need to nurture it. You know, any new, new child needs to be nurtured by his mother for a while. Uh, uh, and, and through elementary teachings until it can become an adult and, and be re reproductive and be strong and, and not be so uh, uh, codependent and whatnot. But as new believers, sometimes we need to be discipled. We need to be trained. We need to reprogram our mind. We're no longer... Uh, uh, we, know, we, we talk different. We think different. We believe different. We act different. Because we are different. We're born again. And this new this first section of the of this book is talking about the new you. The new you who is in Christ. The second part is talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us live this life out. Helps us edify one and does other things too, help edify one another. But it's hard to edify one another if you're still struggling who you are. But we need to know who we are in Christ Jesus. You're not gonna know who you are in Christ from the world. You're not going to know who you are from Christ just from your own thinking, and even some fa good family members, and even some even even. And not, I'm not saying good family members can't help you. The main, but the main way you're going to know who you are in Christ Jesus is through the Word of God, whether that's being taught by a pastor or a parent or a family member or a friend. That that might be so, but at the same point in time, it's the Word of God that will help you mature and grow. Uh, and so, you know, there's a verse that you use at the very beginning. And I want to piggyback on this and then we'll move to some new territory. It, uh, at the very beginning, just read that at the beginning of that first paragraph real quick. When God's word first comes to you, Satan immediately tries to steal it, Matthew 13, 19. However, he can only do so if you don't have understanding. That's why you need to comprehend what takes place the moment you accept the Lord. Understanding prevents the devil from talking you out of your salvation benefits. Okay, I still lost my seed, but that's okay. <laughs> okay, you can pretend. Okay, you can use my thumb. I need to turn my finger and thumbnail anyway. So anyway, but you know, he's quoted from Matthew 13, and it's it's in, it's in other gospel books as well. But it's talked about the parable of the sower, and the parable of the sower. There's four kinds of soil, but there's one seed. The same seed is sown in all four different kinds of soil. The, 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 the one is called the wayside, one is uh, or the pavement, the, the, the other one is called the, 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 the stony soil, the one is the uh, thorns, has a bunch of thorns, and then there's a good soil that produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. We all want to be that last one. But the seed, see, the Word of God is the Word of God. There's nothing wrong with the seed. There's nothing wrong with Jesus. There's nothing wrong with this born-again nature that Jesus gave us. And we'll be talking about that nature, this new you. But in order for that seed to be put, to produce the way it should, they, it has to be on the good soil. 
not the other soils. If when you study out Matthew chapter 13 and the parable of the soil, all four soils heard the word of God. So it's important that we hear the word of God. They can't be sown if they can't hear it. But only the good soil heard it and understood it. It's not enough just to hear the word. That's important. You can't understand something you don't hear. So we, we need to hear it. <laughs> I can't, I, we can't explain something if you don't hear it. So that's a starting point. We need to hear it. You know, as a child, I read my Bible every day more, more as a chore, an obligation. My heart was in it, so I didn't get so much out of it. I just kind of spent, uh, I just kind of read my chapter for the day and was done and checked it off my list. But when I took time to understand it, it became fruitful. It became, and sometimes I came across something I didn't understand. I needed someone to teach to me. And explain it to me so I can understand it. Until you understand it, uh, you know, it's not going to be fruitful. And this can, they can, this can, in a sense, happen with any subject matter. If I was teaching you, uh, for example, I know uh, accounting and QuickBooks is a, is a software for, quick, for accounting. Just because I teach you the material, if you don't understand it, you're not going to be able to use it. You know, I can, I can teach you how to cook. I know some things. I don't know everything. But just because I give the recipe, if you don't understand what the recipe means, and some there's some there's some sometimes there's some terminology in recipes. If you don't understand what that means, you might be looking. Uh, Sherry gave me a recipe one time. You must scald the milk. I must do what? <laughs> do what in the milk? I, I hope it doesn't get hurt. You know, uh, it just you know. But if I don't understand what that means. Telling me to scald the milk doesn't do me any good because I need you to teach me. Show I mean that are, we you know every time we. Uh, uh, we got a new uh, coffee machine at Kbrook mm -hmm. the other day, and uh, and I, sh I said I don't do coffee, but we have guests uh, at times, and I said teach me how to use this so I can help our guests if they need to the help, you know. So she had to show me, you know, uh, and I'm kind of person show me step by step, push this button, it's supposed to turn blue or whatever the you know. Sometimes we need sometimes we need explanation. Same thing comes spiritually. We need to understand the word. And it, uh, you know, and sometimes we understand it, but we don't understand it, you know. And so we need to allow the Holy Spirit, who's our ultimate teacher, using pastors and teachers and sometimes other people, to explain it to us. And uh, so we understand it. Because if we don't understand it, one of the soils, it was explained how the enemy will come and steal that seed away. And, and, and uh, we'll get into that a little bit deeper but first of all, uh, what's what he's still in? First of all, he's under, he's still in understanding. If we don't understand the new you, if we don't understand who we are in Christ, even if we are born again, we're only going to go so far. We can only grow so so much. If a child never goes to school, if a child never learns how to get along with others, if a child never learns uh, some social skills and some other basic hygiene and different things doesn't know how to eat properly and how to take care of himself. When he gets older, he's only going to go so far. You know, even if he was on a desert island, he's only going to make it so far. We need to be taught. We need to understand some things. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and, and we need to understand the new you. How, and first of all, how are we going to teach others who they are in Christ if we don't even know who we are in Christ? And only that is, there are some benefits with salvation. 
There are some amazing forgiveness. You know, salvation is not just going to heaven and avoiding hell. That is a major, major benefit. Don't get me wrong. That is a major benefit. Being born again is the greatest miracle of all. But at the same point in time, there is much more to salvation than just the forgiveness of sins. The word salvation, since I'm on the word, in both the Hebrew, which is Yeshua, and in, in the Greek, which is Soteria, or in the Shona's form, save, is Sozo. The word salvation in both the Greek and the Hebrew, the original languages, by definition, means wholeness. It means healing. It means deliverance. It means prosperity, a provision. And so, so there's so much included. It's an all-inclusive word. Salvation. We have so many benefits to being healed, to being whole, not just in our body, but also mentally and emotionally. You know, there's so many people we've ministered to pastors as pastors, maybe they get, we've seen people get healed of cancer. We've seen people get healed from different things. Because it's part of the salvation package. And we'll, we'll teach on that. And we have classes on that. We have lessons on that. We have blogs on our website about that. But one of the benefits of salvation is healing. Not only did he, was he, did he forgive our sins, but he was also, by his stripes, we were healed. And there's different kinds of healing. There's physical healing, as I've been describing, but there's also emotional healing. Some people have been violated. Some people have had some major, major trauma in their life, and they need to be healed from that emotional trauma and that what they've gone through. And what they've gone through is horrible. I can't even begin to describe it. I'm not trying to, to bring, dig up anything that's, that's sensitive. But being a victim all your life, being wounded all your life is not healthy. God, Christ died for your sins so you can be forgiven. But he also died for you so you can have an abundant life. I'm not saying there's not going to be troubles in this life. We'll, we'll deal with some of those things. But, uh, but you can live above that. And you can live through that. And even if you did were to die, and we'll even address that, you're going to be with the Lord for all eternity. And so... Uh, anyway, I'm touching on a lot of the topics. We'll be expounding on some of these as we go forward. But we got to know the foundation. we got to know who we are in Christ. But before we even know who we are in Christ, we need to get in Christ. We need to get the... the, the but it's simple. We, we, I, I'm explaining a lot of different things. and In some ways, I'm trying to bring some clarity to it. But in some ways, I also might be bringing bring some confusion because I'm, I've talked about so many different things. But in its simplest form, how do you become saved? Exactly what we read. We believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's not just saying the phrase. It's not just reciting. Anyone can recite something. It's not just, that's why we need to believe in our hearts. It's not just saying a sinner's prayer. And I'm okay with a sinner's prayer. But let me just bring some clarity to that. You'll never find in the books of Acts I'm reciting a prayer. We've made it that, and I'm okay, I'm okay with that to a certain degree. But it's not about reciting a prayer. It's a, more importantly, it's about believing in your heart that Jesus died for my sins and that He rose again. It's it's receiving. It's, it's it, you don't have to know everything at the beginning, but you need to know enough down the basis that that you were a sinner that you needed a Savior 
Then Jesus died for you. He was your substitute. And you receive that. You receive his, his payment for you. You receive his gift of righteousness. Now, you might not understand all of that, but you receive a gift. And Christmas time is coming up. When you get, receive a gift, you say thank you. You acknowledge it. And, and in some way, this confession is, is just simply that. Lord, I don't understand everything yet, but I, under, I understand enough. You died for me so I don't have to go to hell. You died for me and you give me a great, great gift of salvation. I don't understand it. I want to learn it. But I know I receive your gift. And I receive you into my life. There's a belief, I believe that you died. I don't understand it, but I believe enough. You died for me. I confess it with my mouth, and, and just by that simple confession, just by that simple acknowledgement, you need to know a little bit to, to, to be able to, to, to know that. And then it's, then, it's to, then it's to being discipled, it's being trained who you are. So you, you, you can't live who you, the new you if you don't even know who the new you is. You gotta know enough. When you get, you know, every time we get a new appliance or a, a new uh, gadget, we have instructions. How does this work? And there's, you know, there's some things I've had, and I never knew what that button was for because I never read the instructions. There's some things that it had, it had this, it had this capacity to do this very thing for a long time, but I never used it because I never knew what that button was for because I never took time to read the instructions. And uh, you, you know, and so, uh, well, God's given us an instruction manual. But if we're a new babe in Christ, just like we were a new child, we didn't understand everything off the bat. We didn't understand algebra at the beginning. We didn't understand, but we sometimes we need someone to spoon feed it for us for a while. Sometimes we need someone like the steak and cut it up in bite-sized pieces so we can digest it. That makes sense? It doesn't do any good just to eat it all and then can't process it or start choking on it. And then we, we get so confused and frustrated we put it down and we give up. We quit. We don't go forward. We never grow. We, we become an um, immature Christian all our life. And that's not a put down. It's just we never grew up. We never matured. I don't want to be an immature Christian. I want to use all that God has for me. Uh, but I need some help. I need some instructions. And even once we know it, now we'll never get, we'll never arrive to a place where we know it all. But we'll get to a place where we know more than we did. And we'll keep growing. You know, even a child, even, even as humans, the moment we stop growing, we start dying. And one of the signs you know someone's on their deathbed is they lose their appetite. They just can't hold down food anymore. And uh, I'm not just talking about a common flu or cold. Even, even that, in a sense, is a form of dying if it's not, if it's not contained. But it's just, you know, we need to grow. We need to mature. And, and, and any subject, no matter what your vocation is, you got to keep train. You got to keep training and keeping yourself sharp in that subject and that vocation. One of the things change. The times change are changing so fast with technology and different things. You got to keep up with things if you're going to sell in a certain technology, uh, a certain field, or a certain vocation. Uh, same thing with Christians. We need to know who we are. And, and, and a lot of what I'm describing is being born again in discipleship. Being discipled. That's when I describe my our division for our church. That's really what we want to do. We want to help people become born again, and we want to help them be discipled and know who they are. I'm saying a lot of different things tonight. Hopefully we'll break this up in bite-sized pieces as we go forward. Um, but I'm hoping I'm making sense. Uh, there's so much I want to expand on. This is so exciting. 
but we need to know the you you. And so many, some, so many people have become born again, but they never really ever discovered who they were in Christ. They embraced the concept of being born again, but they never really understood what that meant. What does it mean to be born again? What does that look like? What's the significance of that? And are, are some of the knowledge they have is partial, or some of the knowledge they have is actually wrong information. You know, uh, sometimes worse than having no information is having the wrong information. That can sometimes be uh, worse, and that, that can make it frustrating because it, if you have the wrong information, sometimes the thing doesn't work. And you're frustrated why it doesn't work. Why is the Christian life not working? How come my prayers are not being answered? How come different things are not? Because sometimes how we've been taught or how we've learned or how we haven't learned has been wrong or misled or whatever. And we want to bring some clarity to some of that because we want it, we want it to work. We want, this, we, we want to be born again so we don't we'll go to heaven, not hell. But we also want, want to be born again because this thing is supposed to work. The Bible says we're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We're the children of God. We're the people of God. We're supposed to be different in the world. Not just because of morality, and that's part of it, but we're supposed to be different. We are the blessed people. We have God in our side. God, he says, he, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. There's so many benefits of salvation. We're supposed to be different. <coughs> Excuse me. I've been talking so much. I need some water. But uh, anyway, hopefully I'm making sense. Do you have anything you want to add, Sherry? I haven't talked in a while. Uh, no, I'm I'm good. Uh, I know it's very basic, and we'll be. And I've been sharing a lot of different analogies, different things. We'll hope you break this up as we go. We didn't get very far, and I know that's kind of intentional. I, I wanted to set the stage for some things. Um, but do you have something, Ida? Uh, yeah, uh, you 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 know some people really believe in it, but then again, they don't have no confidence in themselves. Like they're always afraid of new things like True. that. You know, because the fear blocks them. Right. So therefore, the Lord said always say, fear not my child. You know, fear not for I am with you. Right, right, right. No, that's very true. You know, fear, fear is a paralytic. And when we don't understand something, are we have the wrong interpretation of something, you know, there's so many different ways where that fear can come in. But when we don't know who we are and we don't have that confidence as you're talking about, you know, it creates fear. And we, there, there should be an assurance of our salvation. There should be a confidence. And we're going to be dealing with that assurance of salvation. There's some people, they, they think they committed an unpardonable sin. They, they've done this and they're, they're not confident. Uh, they're still trying to, to impress God, trying to get right with God and, and we're going to be talking about that. And, you know, they're, they're in one sense, they're trying to get on the horse backwards, uh, you know. And so they're, 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 we're going to bring some clarity to that. And, you know, if you don't have confidence, you know, if I don't have confidence in a, a certain vacation, in a certain job, I can't do it well. Uh, if, even in life, if I have a poor self-esteem, right. I'm going to be, I'm going to be handicapped all my life, right. you know. And so, uh, so. But um, we can overcome a lot of that with the right teaching and with the right know knowledge of who we are in Christ. All that can, and and some, some what people have been taught, a form of religion, a form of Christian religion, has actually distorted. And Jesus has been said this way, by your traditions you make the word of God of no effect. And some of the teachings some people have had, and I'm not trying to banish anyone, I'm not trying to get on step on anyone's toes, but sometimes, but I am trying to help. And there's going to be some things that I'm going to teach in this that, that may go against what you've been taught, but 
uh, you know, and I'm not trying to go against what people have taught just for that. I'm trying to teach the truth. Jesus said you should know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. The truth can't set you free if you don't know it. Uh, you know, and in that context, he says, you, you, you should uh, know that you shall be my disciples indeed. A disciple is one who studies the word of God and does it. But part of discipleship is knowing who we are. And knowing how this new you and the Holy Spirit works. Because if we don't know how it works, we're not going to have the benefits. We're not going to have the confidence. And, we're gonna, and because we don't have the confidence in one sense of the word, we're going to be shipwrecked all of our lives. We can only go so far. And, and, and here's the other thing. A lot of times, and I've seen it so often, and I've been this way sometimes myself at times, I'll be so frustrated at God. I'll be so frustrated with myself. I'll be so frustrated with others and Christians because I want, and, and, and there might be some um, reason why I'm frustrated with some other people and even myself at times, but there's no reason why I should be frustrated with God. But some of that frustration is because we don't understand the truth. We don't understand, one, we don't understand the true nature of God, which we're going to be dealing with on Sunday nights in a week from now. And then two, we don't understand who we are. And we, sometimes we confuse spirit, soul, and body. We can, we confuse the spirit and the soul. We can't distinguish between the two. And, and we're, we're wondering why we're not getting it. We understand why they're not working. And until we get the foundation right, we can't get the other pieces in motion. But some people have the foundation. Is, there's some adjustments that need to be made. Paul said it this way in Thessalonians. He says, I come to perfect that which is lacking in your faith. He wasn't here to condemn them. But there's some things in their faith that were lacking. And if their faith was lacking, there was lack of confidence. It was, they weren't going anywhere. And, 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 and you know, just like, uh, you know, two uh, team oaring in the boat. We want to oar in unison with God. We want to see God like he really is. But we want to see ourselves like we really are. You know, the more I see God like he really is, I begin to understand who I am. And the more I understand who I am, the more I understand who you are and others people are. Because we are the righteousness of God. God didn't just die for me. He died for you. And if you are a Christian, then you are... If I know who I am in Christ, then I know who you are in Christ. And th there's a big difference. He also said, I did not choose... You did not choose me. I chose you. So That's said, true. That's I true. The, right. the certification and qualification and it's time for you to be a royal priest. Right. Sometimes, you know, that word is so big for you that you say, who am I, Lord? Who am I? I can't even speak, you know. But then again, it comes to reality. Here it comes, this coronavirus and everybody's fear, everybody's scared. And you say, don't be scared because the more you're scared, the more you're going to die because that's how Satan works by fear. Right. And I know Dave touched on it um, about what salvation is, but just some some homework verses to ponder on until we meet again. You know, Psalm 103, uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies,
who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And that's Psalm 103, the first five verses. But also Dave alluded to 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, he quoted the last verse, verse 21. Uh, but just above it in verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, these are there's so many other verses that we can share about salvation and just what that means to be a new creation in Christ. But just to get a, a, a whiff, a hint of what this new life in Christ is, this reality. You know, Christ came that we would have abundant life, and yes, uh, Satan steals, kills, and destroys. But Jesus came that we would have abundant life. And if we're just living our days out till we get to heaven, you know, okay, fine. But I want the best that God is giving me. And he wants to give us abundant life, life with him, life that's, that's that, that relationship that's reconciled to Christ. You know, my I, I want to be renewed in my mind and remember that yes, my sins were forgiven. Yes, I'm healed uh, because of what Jesus went through at the cross. Yes, he is my strength. Yes, he is my joy. Yes, I can go through any adversity because he is with me. Salvation encompasses so, so much. And I, I teasingly like to say that God wants us to be fat Christians. And I'm not talking about our physical bodies. I'm talking about spiritually, that we would prosper spirit, soul, and body. You know, again, there's so much. I can think you back for hours just on every scripture you just read, and we will be spending time on most of those as we go forward. Um, but, uh, you know, just a quote, too, the, you know, and some people just quote half the verse, the thief does come and they kill, still destroy. But the verse continues, as I have come, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Yes, we have an enemy, but we have a we have a great salvation. We don't have to be afraid of an enemy. We need to be, we need might. We need to know that he exists and we need to be mindful of that. But we need to be, we, uh, get perfect love cast out for you. Uh, and we need to know his perfect love. Uh, we need to know how much God loves us, how much he died for us. We need to know who we are in Christ. And Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but the life I live alone by the, the faith of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, the life we live, we live by the faith of God who loves us and gave himself for us. When we have that, when we, we know that we know that we know who we are in Christ, the enemy can do his best. But, but we have Christ on the inside of us. And, and one thing he can't steal is he, he can't take, uh, he, and we're going to get into this, I want to uh, open this uh, up at the end here because I won't have time to go into all this right now. But he can't, he can't steal our salvation in that sense. There, there, we'll get into some teachings a, a little bit later how, yes, we can reject God, and yes, we can walk away from God, but we can't lose God like we lose a set of keys. 
We can't, we have to purposely reject him, and we'll get into that later. But Satan can't touch that. Satan can't touch our born-again spirit. He can touch our body. He can touch our soul. But he can't touch our, our born-again spirit, and that's the beauty of it. But he can't touch the others if we don't let him. We'll get into that as well. Uh, but but uh, but before but before we get into some of that, see a lot of that is built on the foundation. The foundation is we're born again. The foundation is that we are the righteousness of God in Him. We're going to talk about that because it says in Scripture that the righteousness and the truth are the foundation of the throne. We need to get the foundation who we are. And if we get the foundation good, and the foundation is solid, we can build on that foundation. We can. In a sense, we can, uh, but our salvation has to be mortified. If we're, if we're looking behind every rock that we can lose it here and there and whatnot, you know, Satan can still kill and steal some things, but there's some things he cannot touch. See, we're born again of incorruptible seed. There's no corruption in it. There's no corruption in it. There's no corruption in this Christ who lives in us. We're born again. Um, he, he can't touch that. And, and and we'll get into some things where where that where we can reject Christ, but beyond that, He can't touch it. Uh, now, now just because we're born again doesn't mean that we're living on all the benefits of our salvation. And we'll get into some of those things as well because some people are not experiencing what I just read—the abundant life. Some people are not experiencing that. They're saved, but they're miserable. And we're we're gonna deal with that. We're we're gonna deal with some of those things. That that doesn't have to be the case. And a lot of that, a lot of that misery, and I'm not talking about so much the circumstances, but a lot of that misery is they don't, they're not establishing who they are in Christ. And when we get that, that will, that will unravel some of that misery and how to, how to counter some of that and how to deal with some of that and how to change. In other words, we can, we are not supposed to be governed by our circumstances. Christ in us can govern our circumstances. We can change our circumstances. But, but, and we'll get into that. We can, you know, uh, there's so much. When we learn we learn this salvation that we have, you know, the Bible says we can lay hands on the sick and that we recover. We can change the circumstances. We can calm the Red Sea. We can we can walk on water. We can do different things. Jesus did. And Jesus said, the greater works than these, he sure you do. And we'll get into a lot of that when we get into the second part about the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of things we can do. Uh, you know, Jesus said by his blood that he has redeemed us to be kings and priests. We have authority. We have authority. Satan does not have any authority in our lives. He's a defeated foe. He only has authority if we let him. But he has no authority. Uh, God has put all things underneath our feet, the, the church. Every principality, every power he's put underneath the feet of his church. But we don't know who we are. If we don't know who we are in Christ, we will let Satan uh, eat, take our lunch and pop the bag. You know, we, we need to know who we are. And we're going to be explaining all of that. I know I'm getting, I, I opened a can of worms just before we're closing here because we're, we're actually over right now. Um, so, so uh, what I'm going to do, I'm going to close this out on our video, and then we can keep talking if we want to here. But we'll be back next week. We'll pick this up next week. Uh, we only got a one little section in this book so far. We'll pick up the speed a little more as we get some foundation uh, laid here. But uh, anyway, we're doing the New Year in the Holy Spirit. And God bless you. Let me just pray us out. And pray that you have a great week. Lord, we just thank you for your truth. Lord, I don't know how well I'm explaining this. I might be bringing up more questions and answers so far at the beginning here. 
But Lord, I, you are the teacher. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. And I pray that you teach us all, even if we've been born again for years, teach us afresh what it means to be born again. Teach us afresh the, mean, the, the benefits and the, the meaning of our salvation. Lord, may it never grow old. May we never become complacent. And Lord, I pray that you would revive our hearts and revive us in our spirits. We worship you, we magnify you, we glorify you, and we bless this week in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, well, we'll see you guys on Sunday. We'll be here Sunday morning, live stream 1115, and then Sunday night at 6, and then back next week at 7. God bless you, and have a great week. Yeah.